Welcome back to Revolutionary Health, the show that focuses on Black gay men's health and wellness. I'm Michael Ward. As always, follow us like everything on our social media. We're on Twitter at Building Desire, Facebook and Instagram at The Counter Narrative. This week, we're continuing our COVID-19 series with a check-in about Detroit. Um, so we have a very exciting guest that is joining us, a brother to the CMP tribe, somebody that I've gotten to know so well. So I will let you introduce yourself for everybody out there that doesn't know who you are. Um, I'm L. Michael Gibson. I'm nobody. <laughs> <laughs> You're somebody, somebody. <laughs> I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. Um, no, but uh, I am um, founder and executive director of Black Bear Brotherhood um, and founder of a lot of other things over the years, co-founder, I should say, of a lot of other things over the years, um, Beyond Identities Community Center, the Black Alphabet Film Festival, you know, lots of stuff. Come on, resume, break it down. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend of the family and of the show and one of the things that we're doing with these COVID-19 check-ins is definitely uh, checking in with different cities and how it's affecting us as Black people um, in general. So I just want to just begin by a little bit about uh, where you are in Detroit, how is Detroit being affected by coronavirus, all of those things. Yeah, well, Michigan, um, in over the last about five weeks, has become... Um, we go back and forth between number three and number four in the nation. Um, we're in a next battle with Massachusetts <laughs> for the title most recently. Um, unfortunately, our death numbers are definitely number three. Um, we beat out California. If you think about like how big Michigan is versus how big California is, that's kind of crazy that our death numbers look like they do. Um, over 30,000 people in Michigan have um, tested positive for COVID-19. Um, roughly about 2,300 people have already died. Um, disproportionately, that falls to Black and brown people, particularly Black people. Uh, Detroit is an 82% Black city, so that's not surprising that, you know, Wayne County or uh, where Detroit is located is number one. Um, but even when places where we're not the majority, uh, in like Macomb County or Oakland County, counties that are decidedly white, we average 30 to 45% in the number of people who are getting it and the number of people who are dying. Um, so, you know, this is hitting Black folks hard. And while the majority of those people are elderly, um, as is the case in a lot of Midwestern places like Milwaukee, is disproportionately impacting Black middle-aged men, um, which I squarely fall in the category of. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's been a pretty harrowing time. Um, our Governor has made the news quite a bit, uh, you know, and I think that what was interesting is like um, initially there was like a lot of support for Governor Whitmer's um, stay at home strategies and shutting the city down or the state down and the schools down. Um, we didn't do it as early as Ohio, but we did it fairly early. Um, but once the media started making it clear that the people who were getting it primarily were black. Uh, suddenly you had conservative media coming out and saying, oh, we need to reopen the economy. <laughs> and you had uh, Michigan be one of the two or three states, I think Kentucky was another, that had protests. Um, and if you look at who the protests were, they were decidedly white. 
Um, and I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, I think people were much more comfortable sitting at home if they thought the majority of people who were getting here were white. Um, ironically, in Michigan, that's still the case. We're disproportionately getting it. We're not the majority of people are getting it. But once that black face got put on COVID-19, then it was suddenly like, oh, yeah, I'm not staying at home for a bunch of black people who die. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that, that's what the, it felt like, I think, for black and brown people in, in the state. So that's what's going on in Michigan, man. You know, I personally have known four people who have died. Um, I currently know two people who are on ventilators or in the hospital. Um, you know, some of that is just a byproduct of being someone who's lived in a lot of places. I'm not from Michigan. I'm not from Detroit. I've lived here um, all going into six years now. Um, so, you know, if you live in a lot of different places and travel a lot, you get to know a lot of people. And unfortunately, the byproduct of that is you also know a lot of people who get sick and die from something like this. So. Yes, sadly. And I'm, I'm definitely sorry to hear about losing people and things like that to the virus. I, for, me, for me personally, and we talked about it a little bit before the show, I, in my own ignorance, didn't realize that Detroit was also being affected and hit so hard by these. So even uh, doing a little research, I think, on um, what is it, Michigan? Dot yeah. of, uh, slash coronavirus, all of those things, like looking at the numbers and as you say, see how black people are being affected um, by COVID-19. To me, it was just like, oh my God, and understand with the stay at home order and things like that um, going on. I just want to say, I just want to pivot a little bit from, from, sure. from that, but personally for you, I know, as you said, you're black brotherhood and you have, you're used to having these virtual, I uh, mean, these gatherings in person of yeah. uh, black you know, black men. So how has that affected you in that way of how um, that's going? Well, you know, it's interesting. So I, you know, I think there are two kinds of people in a moment like this. There are people who are super prepared and maybe overly anxious and overly worried and, you know, and started preparing very early. And then there are people who are like, oh, this probably won't affect me. It's not going to be as bad as they say. We have to be optimistic. I fall decidedly in the first category. So <laughs> I work in public health uh, for many years. Um, I worked on federal grants, um, including emergency preparedness grants. So I kind of know that really initially in, in any kind of crisis, you're on your own, unless you're a first responder or the family of a first responder. And so when this first started kind of hitting in, I would say the news media in January around China but once it became clear that it was spreading outside of China about early February, I was already like stocking up and you know talking to my brothers about what this might mean. I think maybe I had canceled our Black Bear Brotherhood gathering for March, um, maybe the first week of March, which was really early. That was before the governor had issued her order. Um, and, you know, the potluck. So we, we we do two or three major things. So we have potlucks every month that are in-person gatherings that are at my house. And those can be like 35 to 45 people gatherings um, in my home. And so, you know, no shade I love my brothers, but, you know, that was a lot of bodies and <laughs> a lot of coffee, mm -hmm. a lot of touching on stuff. I was like, oh, no, baby, no, we're not doing all of that. <laughs> um, I love y'all like cook food, but, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not going to be sitting in the petri dish after that. Um, so that's real. Um, yeah, you know, because I always get the house clean before, but not after. And I was like, mm -mm, yeah, that's not gonna work. So I, I canceled early, and I mean, uh, there was initially a little grumbling, 
you know, some of the brothers was like, you know, Michigan hadn't really had cases yet, at least none that were really publicized. And so there was something, you know, like, oh, Mike was overreacting. And then, you know, the very next week, the governor was on the news, like, we have our first cases. And I was like, see, I told y'all. And then, like, before you know it, I think the runaway nature of it was scary to brothers. And then when they started talking about, like, underlying health conditions that were being impacted, because this has been an evolving crisis. So we get new information every few days about what this virus does and who it is impacting. And so I think at first, there really wasn't a lot of information. And then it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like mostly elderly people. But then once they started talking about hypertension and diabetes, you know, now you're hitting where Black people live, right? Like, you're hitting where (laughs) where my brothers live. Um, And so I have asthma. Um, and then they started talking, you know, obesity. And I was like, well, I definitely hit that category. So I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not playing with this. Um, and so I think once that was the case, brothers got on board once they realized um, that they were personally at risk. Uh, so I think that that changed things. I mean, our initial response, you know, after cancellation, you know, in March, was everybody was kind of like, cool. Then we have, like, larger community gatherings that we were like, like this month was supposed to be Essex Enfield, right? Like mm-hmm. supposed to have a big, huge community gathering around Essex Enfield. And, you know, we weren't going to be able to do that. And so then it was kind of like, okay, well, what is that, what's our schedule going to look like? And, you know, May is our anniversary and we normally do a barbecue. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of reorienting our schedule. Um, we are multiple chapters. So our Cincinnati chapter started spearheading like doing Google Hangouts for <laughs> the members for their weekly bar night. They started doing once a month um, and that was a success. So we borrowed that model. We're going to do our first kind of Google Hangout um, on the We would have had our potluck on April 24th um, just to make sure people are together. And then kind of what we did in um, to deal with the crisis itself was uh, we immediately started like saying, you know, we had a brother volunteer who runs our Care Bear Project, which is kind of like the Good Samaritans for you church folks, you know, <laughs> the sick and shut in. Um, and he was like, I'll, you know, I'll be willing to drive care packages to people who are ill. And so we launched the sponsor of Bears Care Project. And so anybody who was sick and shut in and, and didn't have food or meds, um, we would invite brothers to sponsor them to make sure that they had the foods and the medications they needed to stay at home and take care of themselves. Cause unless you have breathing problems, the hospitals aren't going to take you. Wow. So, um, and so that means that, you know, most of your care is going to be on your own. Um, so, uh, luckily, I mean, at this point we have more sponsors than, you know, already ready. They got their bags, they got their water, they ready to go. Um, then we do people who are ill. So that's a blessing. Yeah. Um, people ready to help than we have people who need it. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens as the weeks continue to progress and more people continue to get sick, um, especially now that there's a push to reopen the economy even here in Michigan. Which is crazy, which, which is absolutely crazy to me. But I think that's amazing because one of the one of the things that COVID-19 has definitely done is isolate, you know, most of us by ourselves. And especially when it comes to us as Black people, Black gay men in particular, loneliness and all of these things and finding sense of community and all of these things that we have to evolve with technology. So I love I love the work that y'all are doing. 
and keeping each other safe and protecting ourselves and watching out for ourselves. Because a lot of this opening um, borders and stimulating the economy and all of those things, to me, I feel like it's definitely not looking out for people who are most affected, which is Black people. So yeah. I, I, so even in, in Detroit, with the number of deaths and the cases and not having enough resources and equipment, what is Detroit and, and Michigan doing to keep you all protected? Well, the, the mayor is... Um you know, this week is kind of issue that uh, they have provisions for people who are ill. They just open on, the, I guess, the state fairgrounds, testing that they can get you, I think, like for a $2 fare, get you to the testing grounds to get tested um, and help get you, you know, I guess, linked to some care. Um, the problem is that here in Michigan, you know, I don't know what the county is now, but the last time I checked, which was like a week ago, 700 people at like Henry Ford, which is one of our major hospital systems, um, were on quarantine for COVID-19. Um, our police department, over 600 people, 700 people there, too, are on quarantine for COVID-19. So, you know, um, you know, so when those kinds of public health systems and public safety apparatuses are um, already hindered by this issue, you know, it, you know, there's limitations to what, you know, people can do with whoever's left. I know mm -hmm. I have a friend who's an orderly and um, initially he had gotten exposed and they asked him to self-quarantine for two weeks while they, you know, and it took him like a week and a half to get his test result back, which was kind of crazy since he worked at a hospital. <laughs> um, two uh, weeks? So, yeah, it took like almost two weeks to get his results back. And then they, they gave he didn't have it. So they were like, they wanted him to come back to work. But he has underlying health issues and he's 50. And so he was like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so they told him they had to take his PTO. <clears throat> Um, and when that runs out, like he has to figure it out. So, you know, I mean, and we have a lot of blue collar brothers. So a lot of people are still having to go to work at Amazon. We have members who are working in factories who are like building ventilators now at like Ford and, and GM. Um, and they're having to go to work and social distancing may or may not be able to be practiced as well in those environments. So that's happening. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a little scary here in Detroit. Um, all around, particularly for our brothers, because a lot of them, like I said, are, reflect the Black folks who don't get to work from home. I'm lucky I get to work from home, but that's not the case for the majority of Black people. Wow. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for joining us to give us this update thank on what's going on from where you are. I definitely want you to be safe, to take care of yourself. Um, any last parting words that you want people to know, resources they can seek, how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, well, I guess if you're a Black Bear Brotherhood member or even just a brother in Detroit and you don't have meds and you are sick, you know, please feel free to reach out to us, um, blackbearbrotherhood at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, blackbearbrotherhood.life, um, and we can see about getting you some support. Um, and, you know, I just want everybody to stay safe and come through on the other side of this. Yes. So as well to everyone watching, we want you to stay safe, um, to follow the safety measures that you have in place. Thank you again for watching another one of our COVID-19 check-ins where we checked in on Detroit. Like, subscribe, follow, comment below in the video. On Twitter, we're at Building Desire. Facebook and 
and Instagram. We're at The Counter Narrative. As always, be kind to yourself and be good to yourself as well, too.